What up, Holt Heads? Kurt Money here with a quick warning. This episode deals heavily with suicide. If that's something that makes you uncomfortable, feel free to skip this app. We'll be back in a few days with a new one. But uh, also, if you or anyone you know is struggling, I put the suicide hotline number in the description, but I can tell you this from personal experience. 2017, I was in a rough spot and I found counseling that charged based on your income. And then I signed up for GoldRx because I don't have insurance and I got meds that helped me out on the cheap. And now look at me. I'm living it up in 2023. So anyway, I uh, just wanted to let you know. Let's get to it. I'm Lester Holt. We got ourselves another new Dateline. They just don't stop coming. This time hosted by the one and the only Dennis Murphy. Womp. Now, did our opinions change of uh, old Murph dog? I guess we'll find out. But first things first, Kate, what'd you think of this app? I liked this app, but I really hope <laughs> that we disagree on the outcome. Okay. Now, how, how are we going to determine this? We always agree, so we're probably going to agree, but yeah. it would just be fun to get heated about something. One day we will find one, but I'm going to say on the count of three, not guilty or guilty. And you do the same thing, okay? One, okay. two, three, not, not guilty. guilty. Another innocent guy on our hands here. Yeah, he didn't do it. Right? Yeah. And is he a good guy? Maybe not. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> is he annoying? He's a little bit annoying. Yes. But... He is absolutely annoying. He didn't do it. Yeah, I don't particularly like him no. as a person. Nope. But I'm not prepared to call him a murderer. Yeah, and I also don't think, just like uh, past episode behind the closet door. Bobby Lee Leonard acted alone. I don't think his behavior was suspicious. No, me neither. Me neither. All right, this is good. So it is May 2020. COVID is raging. It's Memorial Day weekend, someplace in Ohio, and a married couple, Matt and Emily, it's her birthday. They go out and party. They have some drinks. They go out in the middle of COVID, pre-vaccines. Everything's still kind of shut down. The bartenders are wearing masks, but they're technically open. So they're the only people in there. May 2020 was still the thick of it, my dudes. Nobody was reopening in May 2020. Right? That felt like they were trying to sort of rewrite yeah. their own timeline of when things were okay to go out again, but yeah. that was not it. Uh-uh. Absolutely not. But they did. They didn't get COVID, although she might have. We don't know, though, because she was dead by the morning. They go home. They go to bed. Matt wakes up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and then he sleeps in his son's former room. So Matt wakes up the next day and he doesn't see Emily anywhere. Bed's made. She's not in it. Uh, he has no idea where she is and they're supposed to go to like a Memorial Day party. So he's just sitting around the house waiting for her to show back up because maybe she might be out foraging. What'd you think about this foraging business? I, I do know people that forage. I feel like, I don't know if foraging like around your neighborhood for food is a good idea it didn't seem like she would really go that far out into the wilderness they said she'd just do this same loop every day yeah and it was like a 15 minute walk right around the neighborhood mm -hmm. and to me i don't want to eat wild mushrooms that grow like next to a parking lot i feel like you got to go deeper for that and the people i know who do it they go very rural they're out in the middle of nowhere and it's not for me, but she was really into it. And her friends knew all about it. And she had this big book of all these edible plants. And I don't know about you, but rainwater soup does not sound good. I didn't make that up. That's one of the items that they would eat on the reg. Rainwater soup. 
I just it makes me think of Arrest Development, mm-hmm. like the running joke of uh, hot ham water is the meal that she can make, and it's like I'd rather have hot ham water than rainwater soup. Well, at least the hot ham water is like cooked, sort of. So watery, and yet there's a smack of ham to it. It's hot ham water. But anyway, she loved to forage. They had a real rocky relationship in that they partied hard, they argued hard, and they both had a real rough go of it. I mean, throughout their whole life, but most recently within the last year. Because Matt had moved to Ohio from Las Vegas with his son Joey, who was 17, and Joey sadly killed himself 10 months prior to Emily going missing. Yeah, he suffered from mental illness, and I think they said schizophrenia, and it was a lot. They were working really hard to try to get him the care he needed, but unfortunately he took his own life, and I think probably put a lot of pressure on their marriage. Emily had also lost her previous husband to suicide. Yeah, it really sucks. So he lost that son, and then he lost a toddler like 20 years ago or something. He had a, an infant die as well. So they are just surrounded by death. Yeah. So anyway, Matt's getting worried. He can't find his wife, so he calls her best friend Celeste. And Celeste is like, you, if you can't find her, then you get, you got to call the cops. Cop comes by to get the scoop. Now, here's when I tell you, Kate, that I'm sure during this episode, you p- saw the part where they're talking about how Matt wrote a book. I did see that. Well, guess what I was doing last night? I read that whole book. Wow. Boom. Read the whole damn thing. Okay. It's another ebook. And I got some good info. So I'm just going to say that now because I'm going to come out with some facts and you're going to be like, where'd you hear that? And I'm going to go, heard it from the book. That book wasn't a novel. That book was a recounting of events. Yeah. And remember it was called Emily, A Stage Suicide in Ohio. I needed to write my story for me more than anything because I want people to know what happened. Now, my main question for the author of this book is, I thought your whole point was it wasn't a stage suicide. Right. I thought it was a real suicide that she killed herself. Right. That's his whole argument. So why is the book called A Stage Suicide? Isn't that kind of weird? It's very weird. All right, so two days after, she's still missing, and the cops ask Matt to come down to talk to him. And he does willingly because he's a dum-dum. Uh, and he goes to talk. No lawyer. No lawyer at all. Just goes in there to talk to him. And what do you know? They right away try to pin it on him. Mm-hmm. They're trying to say that you know where your wife is because you killed her. Just tell us where she is so we can wrap this up. They're doing that classic cop interrogation thing. We know you did it. We just want to know why. And then they actually, like, get in his face and scream at him. Big time. Big time. You killed her. No, I didn't, sir. We had some good cops last week, the Vest Besties. Mm-hmm. But we're back to Deputy Dinguses with f***ing Detective Grubs because f*** this guy. And he was also adamant that Matt did it till the end, probably till this day. Absolutely, yeah. So they're interrogating him, and at first they're just trying to get the scoop on like what their relationship is. They're asking him to rate their marriage on a scale of 1 to 10. And you can already get the sense of their line of questioning where they're headed, which is that they think that he did it, and they're going to get him to say so right now. If it takes 12 hours, so be it. Mm-hmm. Now, this episode, and a lot of people in it love to talk about how well-known it is that the spouse is usually the culprit, right? You've done enough of these shows. I mean, you know, the uh, well, spouse that, is always a suspect, that, that, right? That's the bias. So, like, it comes up a lot that everybody knows that the spouse usually did it. 
And I think that when we see it happen on true crime shows, they go, well, that's just the facts. I've got an alternate theory, Kate, okay? My theory is because it's so f***ing hard to solve a murder by a stranger, they grasp onto the only thing they have, which is that the significant other did it. And they go hardcore on that until that folds. Right? If they didn't spend the first 48 hours grilling the husbands and wives and saying, you did it, you did it, you did it, like what else would they be doing? Jack because they don't have clues. They don't have anything. They don't have anything at all. And the spouse can hopefully provide leads that they can follow or at least throw them in some kind of direction. But are they even looking for leads? I don't think so. Because the questions that they're asking him were just leading him so that he would put his foot in his mouth. Their example of, hey, I thought you said your marriage was great, dude, is such horseshit. This is heavy. Matt picked a fight with me yesterday and said some awful things. I'm not wearing my wedding ring. I found out my wife texted that to somebody a month ago. Look at these texts we found that they say something else. They tell a different story. And it's like, well, relationships go up and down, which Matt explained to them. Yep. Mm -hmm. He was like, yeah, it's not perfect. It's not going to be 10 out of 10 at all times. Yeah. And apparently she would do things like take off her wedding ring. Yeah. And, and not wear it when he was making her mad. That was not uncommon so that was one of the examples they brought up and it was like yeah but that's that doesn't mean anything um that's super common when i was married the ring would come off during fights so like this is a move that wives and husbands do it's not a shocker to me now to them that might as well be him saying i put the knife in her back myself because they are convinced that's like a confession so dumb He's cops i really the way he genuinely said no i did not sir yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. I did not kill my wife. I was like, he is telling the truth. Yeah. Grubbs has his finger in his face. He's yelling at him that he did it. And Matt is staying pretty cool. It's not um, as heavy as you think it is. She would be like that at times. Which is funny because later he doesn't stay as cool with Murph Dog. Oh, yeah. He got a little lippy later. I think he had just had enough. Mm, why? Why do you feel the need for me to say that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I cut him some slack because I think for the past three years, he's been called a murderer and a terrible father and a terrible husband. So if he's a little touchy about stuff, like, eh. So be it. He spent 14 months in jail for something he didn't do, you know? He also might be mad that they sent Murph instead of AC or J-Mank. <laughs> oh, but you're so right. He's like, oh, am I not? Am I not big time enough for Keith? You only bring Keith out when it's like a serial killer? Yeah, or it's like uh, when celebs would get pranked. If they weren't big enough celebs, Ashton wouldn't be there. Mm. It would be like one of his little cronies. Same kind of thing. Brutal. You gotta be big time for KM. Thank you for believing in me. When Matt makes the call to the cops to say that she's missing, he really does not want to do this. And I found this out in the book that they have this weird thing about not involving police or like doctors. So again, they probably do have some fun mask theories. But he did not want to say that she was suicidal to the cops because he knew that they'd run with it. Well, it makes sense that they were into like natural medicine if she's out there foraging. Oh, definitely. That kind of fits. Definitely. They did look like they were maybe a little, little crunchy, little hippie. Matt's run. I mean, by the end of the episode, he looks like my uncle. Yeah, he cleaned up. For the trial. And the first time he cleaned up, like he has like a giant gross beard and like straggly thinning hair that is in like a really loose, sloppy ponytail type thing. And then we see him again, beard's gone, and he's just got like the butt cut combed down the middle. And I, I genuinely sent you a picture and said, is this the same guy? 
Because I, I, I didn't think they looked alike. Yeah, he, he looked wildly different. I actually like the beard and the sloppy hair better. Same, same. I think it was like a cool vibe for him. Yeah, it makes me wish I was cooler with having beards because I despise them because they're really hot. What? But you have one. I do think he... I would, you have a beard. Yeah, this is just lazy because I haven't shaved. That looks full and thick. Well, thank you. But he has, like, the, the big hangy ones. When he's cleaned up in trial, he looks like a total boob. Just like a straight-up old guy teacher, right? Like, he doesn't look cool. Matt did not work, is that correct? He did not work. Now, they didn't really go into details, but I've got some deets from the book. His mom passed away, and the inheritance that she left left it to him when he was 49. So it was like right around the time of this all going down is when he got that inheritance. So like the decision to quote unquote retire and just live off that money was brand new and they had just started living that life. And now he's broke. I mean, he's broke straight up, obviously. He ran through all that retirement. Yeah. He's busy cutting checks to his buddies for coming to see him. 5K for you, 5K for you. Well, being broke also makes him look more innocent because there's no insurance payout. Yeah, that's a good point about how that makes him look innocent because I feel the same way about the reason why he wasn't going with the crowds to look for a dead body in the woods is because he was convinced she was alive. I genuinely believe that he thought that she was still kicking, maybe just ran off on him, or just needed time apart. Like, he genuinely believed that, and that could have been something that she did, supposedly. Right? Yeah, I took it more as what he explained to Dennis, where he was like, all of those people hate me. That too. They all think I did it, so why would I want to go out there with them? Yeah, and especially after the cops have accused him of the murder. I think about this movie probably anytime there's a dateline with couples, but this is some real Gone Girl vibes, did it not? Especially, we were talking about- Well- Whoa. What? I mean, what? they're very different stories. Between the, t- the two busybodies that insert themselves into the case, and then also the husband who's innocent, but everything he does comes across as being guilty. You haven't called your wife's parents I yet? mean, you can't get a signal in this building. I've been in here talking to you. Well, call them, please, Nick, now. Just like the politics of being a grieving husband right. is well explored in that movie, and I could see Matt going through that in this. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Everyone in town ghosted him. Everyone thought he did it, and the cops didn't think he was grieving correctly. Of course, because they know how you're supposed to grieve. And one thing you're supposed to do is go everywhere to look for your wife. They could not believe that he stuck around and called the cops. Emily's family and the cops all believed that Matt killed her and staged it to look like a suicide. Kurt Money and Kate Line, however, and a jury of Matt's peers, find him to be not guilty, and this was a proper suicide. I mean, this was just a straight-up suicide. Yes. So, I mean, I guess that's what this is going to be, is yes. I think proving that it was a suicide. And I, I don't understand any of the arguments for it not being a suicide, because Emily's friends all say she wouldn't do it. Well... That's not a good enough reason, right? No. But I 100% don't believe she would ever take her own life. One of the friends is like, I know that she was murdered because I know that she wouldn't take her life because she she died on her birthday and the next day was her sister's birthday and she promised her sister she wouldn't kill herself on her birthday. And she promised her sister she would not kill herself. So I, I know she didn't kill herself. Hey, guess what? If you've got to promise a family member that you're not going to kill yourself, you're at risk of killing yourself. Right? You're absolutely at risk. I thought so too. The fact that they've even talked about it is a huge, huge red flag. Yeah. Oh. And I can say as someone 
who has lost loved ones to suicide, it's always you never see it coming or they seemed fine or they would never do that. Right. Yeah. Another egregious fucking idiot move is when the prosecutor goes, find it ultimately very ridiculous to think that Emily woke up that morning and decided to make her bed before she wandered off into the woods to hang herself. Is that really that weird? No. That this lady would just follow her routine down to going to forage in the woods where she killed herself. It's interesting that you learned that his whole not working thing was recent because they made it seem like he was a deadbeat and he'd been a deadbeat so everybody in town is convinced that matt's done it and so now everything that matt has ever done is called into question and the supposed background that deputy grubs got from the townspeople and her friends was the most like hearsay bullshit ever like the bartender was like you know they were really happy and then you could see that it was tense Oh, you mean like two drinkers drinking at a bar together? You mean they're having fun one minute and then they're arguing the next? You mean like conversations? Yeah, that sounds pretty normal. Also, they were, again, the only people in the bar. Yeah, yeah. But Matt is optimistic that Emily's going to return because that morning that he discovered that she was gone, the neighbor across the street had said that he saw Emily in their garage between 9 and 10 a.m. So there's a picture in his book of the neighbor looking across at their yard to just show how close it is. I mean, that guy's not even 30 feet away from me. And he's in his living room. The guy's smoking a cigarette in his garage across the street. And it's probably 25, 30 feet away. Yeah. So that guy says that he saw her in the morning. But the cops don't buy that. They want it to be that Matt was the last one to see her alive the night before. So they go back to the neighbor. But when they tell him, your neighbor says he saw her between 9 and 10. You see Matt in their body cam footage being like, oh, God, thank you. Thank God. Okay, so she's around. And he's genuine. Yes, yes. That was another thing where I was like, this guy is, there's nothing suspicious about any of this to me. No, and the only part that made me question it was this hyoid bone. I'm very familiar with the hyoid on FF. The old hyoid comes up a ton because for one, it's the only bone in the body that's not attached to another bone. Like it's like free floating up here. Mm. Isn't that kind of weird? That's very weird. When that breaks, that's a sign that that's when they know it's strangulation straight away. So when they said that that broke, I thought, well, maybe, okay, here's my biggest question is, is it physically possible to kill yourself by leaning forward with your neck tied to a tree or a door handle? Like, I feel like it's like holding your breath till you kill yourself. You you wouldn't be able to do it. It may suffocate you and then you fall and it, it breaks. Uh, But she, one, weighed under 100 pounds. Like, she weighed 95 pounds. It would not take much, I think. It would not take much weight on her neck to snap one of those bones. And you think that she could force it herself? You think she would have the resolve to... Well, I don't know. They found her months later, and she was in a kneeling position. Yeah, because she had tied... So they found a USB cord tied to a branch, and she had tied that around her neck and lean forward. Partial hanging or something. Matt had a name for it. It's a partially suspended hanging. But I don't, uh, I just, I genuinely want to try it, but I don't because I'm the only person in this house. So like, what if I can't get out of it? Don't try it, Kurt. <laughs> don't try it. I know, but I'm, I feel like at work, I'm going to go, hey, somebody come in here and just watch me do this thing. I got to test this out real quick. We also don't really know how the woods in that area, like the tree that she was tied to, did a branch over those three months, like months. lower, was she not always kneeling? Yeah. Did the situation change in the elements? Yeah, I mean, it absolutely did. And that was the defense's argument for all the prosecution's 
bullshit because it, they're saying that her nose is broken. She has multiple contusions and all this. And their their position is, well, you didn't find the body for four months, and then you had to rehydrate the bones and bleach, and you had to go to a different location for that. I like I I'm not trusting that this is what the bones look like as soon as she did it. Like this is that happened within the last four months. Totally. Yeah. And I just want to say that I think the all star of this episode. Who you got? Matt's attorney. Duh! Okay, a thousand fucking percent. I don't even know why I questioned it. Hands down, the all-star. She's good. I loved her. Oh my I God. I thought if something happens to oh me, God. I'm calling that lady. She ruled. Exactly, exactly. This lady was on. She was performing and it worked. Yeah. I mean, she was really selling that. I was laughing. She, she goes, ooh, they did say that. That's a bad fact. Ooh. <laughs> And then even the state of Ohio in their closing argument just now had to concede that, do you know what he says? You might want to go in. Ooh, that's a bad fact, right? She called in her own experts to counteract the prosecution's experts with the bones. Yeah. And I guess the expert who the prosecution brought in. Smock. He didn't actually look at bones. He just like read in a textbook or something. Like he was not no. a hands-on guy. No, he, he, well, one, he loved talking about his forensic database. Sure. Which I got to give Murphy credit for being like, what's this database? What are you talking about? And why do you believe why it? Why does it matter? Yeah. Like, why should we believe it? Where is this database? Where do you go to the forensic medical literature do you, do you trust that database doctor i do it's the only database that we have because one he only saw photos of the broken bones laid out on like black felt okay and also i heard her say it well the picture we don't have i don't think they had a photo of her on the tree well Is that they, possible? they had crime scene photos but it was we didn't see it it was all blurred there's a photo in the book and i kind of saw it it's kind of creepy but i'm glad i saw it wow it looks like a skeleton wearing like a leotard it's kind of crazy well that's basically what she was yeah 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 um hey that wedding ring that she loves taking off where'd they find that right because i guess she had put it back on it fell off of her it fell off of her when she died and became 18 pounds of bones that was true that was not an exaggeration like she had decomposed to 18 pounds isn't that crazy yeah that's crazy and the ring probably just slid right off we gotta talk about the three Karens who find Emily's body, okay? We gotta talk about these ladies because they are another thing that, it's like Casey Wilson in Gone Girl, but they are a very specific type of true crime fan that I think is writing letters to murderers and stuff and wanting to like fall in love. Like they really want to be in the thick. Oh, jailhouse lovers? I mean, the first lady went to the same high school as Emily 35 years ago. They didn't even call her a friend, Kate. They called her an acquaintance, okay? Lisa Gordish, one of Emily's acquaintances from high school. She's out there every week for months. Mm -hmm. And then this other girl, Sue, shows up. And Murph Dog goes, and she has her own reasons for joining. And she says, oh yeah, uh, about 22 or 23 years ago, this year, someone in my neighborhood went missing and they're still missing. Uh, okay. Yeah, that sentence was weird. 22 or 23 years ago this year. 22, 23 years ago this year, a neighbor of mine named Patty went missing. It's a very weird, I, I do recall hearing that and being like, wait, what'd she say? Yeah, whatever. But these people like this that want to insert themselves, I feel like there's a genre of people also in here are the ones that do the false confessions on purpose just for attention. Is it a similar personality quirk to like the almost heroes or the almost victims? Like the people who would be like, I was supposed to be in New York City on 9-11, but I wasn't. Like, okay, so you were almost, what? 
Like, they want to be a part of it. Or if some tragedy happens, they'll talk about how they were near it. Or I see it a lot on Facebook. Like, if something happens, like, I remember the Boston Marathon bombing. Yeah. I saw someone on Facebook say, like, oh, my gosh, the bomb went off right around the corner from where I used to live. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, but you haven't lived there in, like, 20 years. And this has nothing to do with you. And people are dead. It's not about you. It's like a stolen valor for grief or something. There's got to be a term for it. These ladies are definitely in that group. There's definitely a type of true crime fan who wants attention more than mm. just fascinated by the stories. Because, like, I mean, look, we could have been those people. We're true crime fans, but we didn't go that route. What makes people go that route where they want to date somebody in jail or, like, look for dead bodies that they don't know the people? Are we just a few years away from that? Is this a gateway to that? I think maybe. There was a Netflix doc where the lady... Oh! No, it was the Jeffrey McDonald one again, where she was like, and I convinced my husband to let me go to the trial. Like, to go to the trial as like a fan to watch a murder trial. Anyway. It's weird that you can have audiences at trials. Yeah, yeah, and the judge can decide whether or not it gets to be on TV. Mm -hmm. It's not looking good for Matt, this whole app, until that lawyer shows up, and then the tables start to turn. Yeah. And I was, uh, I liked her line about garbage in, garbage out. I thought that was a great point. That was cool. And also, think of that f***ing guy. His diagram wasn't even right. Like, the lady was like, that's not what it looks like. She's like, those bones are not that far apart. They are very close together, and a break could be possible. Yeah. She was way more of an expert than that guy. She actually had, like, hands-on experience. Yeah. And she knew what she was talking about. It wasn't no database that she was consulting. She was like, nah, yeah. these are the bones. Yeah. <laughs> this is what they look like. I did not see any skeletal evidence that she was punched in the face. Yeah. And that break can happen anyway. It doesn't have to be with two hands squeezing your neck. Like she even demonstrated how it could be done with that USB cord. Oh, also, so in the book, they were talking about how old Murph Dog calls her a neat nick at one point, which I thought was awesome because she was a neat nick. Like she's real tidy and stuff. Yeah. But she would tie her cords up. Like let's say you're ironing. She wouldn't just wrap it around the iron and put it back in the closet. Like she had a little thing to wrap it up properly. And that's how she did all cords. And it kind of makes me think of this USB cord that she brought out to the woods with her drink of choice to kill herself because there was a weird knot in there. Yeah. And they showed the USB cord. It, it had a very specific knot. Yeah. Yeah, sure did. The prosecutor, let's talk about this prosecutor. The little guy with the beard. You know who I'm talking about? I've got a real problem with him and his hair, okay? Because he's not doing anything with it. He's got a full head of hair and his style of choice is guy who shaved his head two months ago and hasn't been back to get it cut. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just like in between a haircut. It's a waste. It's just like, it's just there. I don't know. It just, it made me frustrated because it was thick. And as someone who does not have hair, you're angry when people squander their opportunities. <laughs> That's true. I do get mad when they squander it. I didn't like him. I also didn't like him because he was like, well, why wouldn't he go look for his wife if that's where she looked? And this was, oh my God, I got chills when I rewatched it even. When the lawyer had her closing arguments and she says, why wouldn't he want to go and find his wife's body in there? Well, maybe because 10 months ago, his son hung himself in the woods. So maybe I do believe him that he doesn't want to go find her. And I don't blame him for that. Like, I was like, yeah, boom. Totally, yeah. Because 10 months earlier, his son was hanging from a tree in the woods. There was a map in the book of where this woods was in the neighborhood. When they call it woods, it's not really woods. It's just like a, a dense... No, you can see the traffic like five feet away. Yeah, and now that wasn't just like on the side of the highway 
Like, where they found her body was inside of a subdivision surrounded by houses. That was just like a lot of where you could fit like five houses. That's where these woods were. And so that's where she would go forage all the time. I feel like the cops are so adamant that Matt did it because they're just embarrassed that they didn't find the body day one. Because, I mean, it was, right? Yeah. The body was in the neighborhood. They were giving him shit for not looking for her on her usual route, but then they didn't do it either. Yeah, exactly. And then also the three Karens, they were saying, and Grubbs also told us, don't be afraid to go back to somewhere where you've already been. To which I said, maybe that's because Grubbs had the body and he went and put it there and now he wants someone else to find it. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. Hey, if Grubbs can accuse Matt of being a cold-blooded killer, I can accuse him. Grubbs, you did it. I think they just said that because they knew they didn't really check the area very carefully and they loved having these volunteers do the work for them. They really do. Like, they weren't going to go crawl through all that brush and, like, under those branches and stuff. They're not going to do that. They're not. But guess who would? Guess who would? Murph Dog! Murph Dog did it. He did it. Although, he looked very uncomfortable. He did, but Kate, I gotta be real with you. Murph Dog earned some points today. And there's a few reasons why, and that's one of them. Now, there's a big stink being made. Everybody's hitting us up saying there's a new correspondent on Dateline. What do you think of this new correspondent? We don't know yet, because we haven't watched that up yet. We'll do it one at a time. We do a pod, and then we watch the next one. So I'm dying to see this new correspondent. But knowing that there's a new correspondent in the pipeline, I'm kind of worried that Murph Dog is on the chopping block. I mean, I don't want him to get fired. He's just my least fave of the four. But I found stuff about him that I liked today. Number one, he went out there in those woods and like that plaid shirt looked like that belonged to him and he had it in the back of his car. Yeah. He did not look comfortable or like that was a planned outfit. Like I think about AC and her pink vests and KM and his sneakers and stuff. And here's Murph Dog out of breath going through these woods like pretending to be interested because they found a ceramic tree. They found some trash that was there three years ago. Here's the little ceramic angel that we found. I'll be. You found that yeah. very piece here. Like, he's got a feign interest on that. That was pretty cool, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay, okay, so that's number one. Number two. So the trial happens. He's found not guilty, which was very exciting for everybody, except for Grubbs and that stupid prosecutor. So when he's found not guilty, he, like, starts crying, like, at the desk there in court. And he says to Murph Dog, I didn't want to cry. <laughs> and Murph Dog says, real quickly, he also wasn't a big fan of Matt. Because he goes, oh, but you did. You were blubbering. You were really crying. I didn't want to cry in, in public. You, know, I don't... you did. You were holding your head in oh. your hands, weeping. That was pretty good. And then also, when he was like drilling him on like, there's a difference between loving someone and needing someone. Right? Any of this ringing a bell or no? Yeah. That was kind of weird. It was weird, but I liked that he was trying to stick it to Matt because Matt didn't have an answer. He just said, she's perfect. Not an answer to that question. Not an answer. Oh, and also, Murph Dog says, so what made your nose twitch about this case? To Grubbs, the detective. And he goes... Oh, you know, just that feeling in your tummy. Well, that's the nose twitch, dude. Like, that's the same f***ing thing. They love to do that. Why can't people answer questions on this show? What the hell? They love to be like, no, that's not the right metaphor. It's this one. And then explain the exact same thing. Yeah. God. I also loved one. So Murph Dog said neat Nick. That was cool. And also, he's talking about how Emily is bossy. And he goes, so she was a real Charles in charge. It sounds like she's Charles in charge here, huh? She is. She ran the show. Love it. If you're going to use an 80s sitcom as a rep in 2023, Kurt Money's here for it, okay? That's fair. So, I don't hate Murph Dog. I don't like him as much as the other ones, but he did some good stuff in this ep. And I got to give him credit for going in the woods because he did not want to be there. He did not want to be there. And he had some real sensible, like, hiking shoes on. Like, they did not look like part of a wardrobe, you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, the prosecution, they're not even sure where he killed her. Their theory is, is that she went forward, Gene, and then Matt was like, perfect. Now she's in the woods by herself. And he went to her and killed her in the woods. That's... That's... But they didn't even know that until their closing argument. No. They weren't even really sure what the timeline was or what the events actually were. Yeah. And then they just said that at the end. But that was not like a consistent story, the whole case. No. It was sloppy. It was very sloppy. And they also, um, they didn't know, like they didn't have a motive. They didn't know how he did it he didn't know where he did it like why were they so adamant that he did it what i want to know like you're saying no insurance he's got money oh one thing i found out in the book she needed sex every day and he was like woof now i know what it's like to be a lady wow so anyway there's a little fact for you emily like knocked down boots but is that true oh i think so I think so. He he was saying it as like uh like the first time he went over there and was starting to fall asleep and they didn't have sex. She goes, "What do you think this is?" and then took her shirt off and went in the bedroom and was like, "Let's go." <laughs> I thought that was kind of That cool. sounds exhausting. Oh, yeah, it does not sound like the situation I want to be in. Somebody wants to have sex every day. Nightmare central. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, so Matt bugged me, but boy did he bug me the most at the end when Murph Dog asked him point blank, "Did you kill your wife?" And this dickweed can't answer the question no right so much so that he leans forward out of focus yes like ruining his shot Mm -hmm. to be like why do you feel like i need to answer that question dennis yeah he doubles down on it too because at first he goes well what do you think which it's like dude this is an investigative journalist on dateline and you were on trial for murder just answer the question did you do it or did you not do it this is not an out of the ordinary question to ask you like he's acting like why would you ask me that well, because your wife's dead and people think you did it. So, like, what's the problem with asking him? And Murph Dog even says, I want to hear you say it. And he goes, well, why do you want to hear me say it? Oh, shut up. Shut up. Because it's a television show, Matt. Yeah. I mean, you're here to clear your name. Get clearing. Because all you're saying right now is, why would I do that? I loved her. Why would I kill my wife? Why? I did not like his personality. No, no. Uh, but he didn't kill her. No, he definitely didn't kill her. I don't know what he's going to do now. He did. He moved back to Vegas. He said bye-bye to all these uh, people in Ohio. That's probably for the best. Absolutely. Oh, and also I learned in the book that Emily was sexually abused by a family member as late as age 30. And I think it was her brother. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Because like the Matt was talking about her issues and their issues and all this stuff that they had going on. She had a lot weighing on her, and even if she would show up to the bar really happy and excited, yeah. that doesn't mean she wasn't struggling. Yeah, I mean, you could put a face on. You could put a face on. I liked the three jurors that they interviewed. Me too, especially because they agreed with us big time. Yes, but that their reasoning, they also thought the prosecution just did a dog <laughs> job. And they thought that Smock was full of hot air. Mm-hmm. They said he was more concerned with telling us his credits. I said, zing. Take that, Smock. Boom. Take that. He was more concerned with giving his resume. The prosecutor and the cops, they keep having all these things that they think they can say, and that's a mic drop moment where it's like, oh, of course, he obviously did it. And one of their examples of this is that when they're downtown and he's being interrogated, he says, I just want to help you guys. I didn't kill my wife. I just want to find out who did this. And they're like, did you ask him if he killed his wife? Oh, he just answered that on his own? What made him say that? Maybe because he's being interrogated in a police station. 
Yeah, he knows what's going on. He knows that he's a suspect. Yes. And oh, oh, I'm so glad I remembered. Okay, Celeste, I, there wasn't a lot going on there because I feel Celeste cracked me up twice. Once when she says that the reason why she has since turned on Matt and believed that he did it is because she said, I have a friend who's a former homicide detective. And she said that most of the time, it's the spouse that did it. As if that's like some sort of like a golden nugget that people have never heard of or like a good pro tip. Oh, well, if she says it, then I must believe it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because it must be true 100% of the time. It's so weird. I have a friend who is a former homicide detective and she went through, usually the killer is the spouse or someone very close to them. And then she goes, uh... I don't feel bad about not recognizing Matt in his talking head because Celeste didn't recognize him at the trial. Totally. The prosecutor goes, can you point him out in the crowd? And she looks around. It took her forever. Do you see him in the courtroom today? I had to look around. He he was all shaven and his hair short. Took forever. And guess what? It's one of two tables, right? I feel like... Like, you could narrow it down if you didn't know anybody in that room. Just based on where people are sitting. Yeah. <laughs> she really is looking around like, oh, he looks different now. I don't know. Oh, there he is. There he is. Celeste was crazy. Uh, So it is list time. And now, Kate, do you have a name? No. For your list. Kate's unnamed list. You can use that. Kate's unnamed, unnamed list. list. Hit us with your unnamed list. Does it take place in a small town? The kind of town where things like this just don't happen? It's a small town, but there wasn't a sense that it was the kind of place where things don't happen. Does it have anything to do with Florida? No. It's Ohio and Vegas. Is there a military connection? No. And does someone start crying and then stop and say, I'm sorry? I can't remember. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I thought of a good way to look at these lists. What if we only name them if they happen? Every episode, we we talk about all of the items on our list and say yes or no. A lot of them are no's. We could just say when they when the, the things on the list do happen, we mention them. What do you think? You're right. Is that a good idea? Sounds great. Okay, then I'll go first. Well, I'll go second. Kurtz! Kick-ass list! Kick-ass list! Kick-ass list! The only thing that I've got is they talk about Dateline two or three times. There's two or three moments where they are talking about the show they're on. And it's about the spouse. Like, that's right down the middle of the plate. That's a home run for my list right there. Nothing else, though. Oh, God, almost. When 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 Murph Dog was talking about Matt taking his shirt off and there were no scratches, I was like, come on, say it. There's no signs, signs of, of a struggle. A struggle. <laughs> and Matt was so willing to pop that top off, too. My God, he couldn't wait to take it off. Yeah. So that's our list. And that does it for the app. I think it was a solid Murph Dog episode. I thought it was Ew. good. I'm, I appreciate this episode for making me realize that cops say it's the spouse because they're lazy and they just want a guaranteed suspect, is what I think. I'm appreciative of this episode for making me realize that. I liked this episode because it felt like something that probably happens a lot. Someone commits suicide and another person in their life gets blamed for it and maybe even goes to prison for it. That did actually happen to Matt's brother-in-law was in prison for 19 years for a murder he didn't commit. Wow. Like in his family, there's another person that did 19 years. Brutal. All right. Well, I I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to say the thing. Uh... Do you want to say, do you want to? Oh, go on. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you you go ahead. 
I'm so glad I remembered to say this. So, Deputy Dingus, Detective Grubbs, the grade-A asshole that I did not care for. His shining moment was when he was reading his list of things that he's done for this case as if we're supposed to be impressed. Like, he had a checklist of things that he had done, and he was like, 11.20 a.m., search the area underneath the bridge on Polaris just west of Cleveland Avenue. It's like, dude, you want a pat on the back for doing your job? All he did was name three places he went. That's what? That's half a day of work! Dingus. Deputy Dingus. And on that note, I'm Kurt Money. I'm Caitlin. I'm Lester Holt. For all of us, I'm Lester Holt. Good night. I'll be.